Well, everyone, thank you. Thank you for actually taking the time today, whether it's morning or evening over at your site, to come to this uh, presentation. We are still on the topic of products and services. And this is for those of you who really want to put a product or service out there that's vibrant, uh, that attracts other people, and that you can charge a, a decent sum of money for. And uh, this module that we're going to touch on today is uh, still part of module three. But today we're on lesson 12. So this module, for those of you who's not been part of this, has got quite a lot of lessons in it. And uh, lesson 12 today talks about step 11. So there's 12 steps in this process in which you can go and create a product and a service that becomes a very robust offer, uh, offer for your clients. So if you missed those previous lessons and you missed the previous steps, um, I would highly recommend that you go back to the drawing board, that you go back to basics, to step one, and listen all the way through to step 11. Now, step 11 today, we talk about how you can co-create your products and services with clients. In other words, not become the type of person who sits there behind your computer, you know, 10 o'clock in the evening with your coffee or your glass of wine or whatever it is that you're doing and you're creating this thing and you think it's amazing, you know, you think it's genius and then one day you launch it and you hear, you know, you can hear the penny drop, no one is interested in this product and it happens to so many people because you are creating something on an island or you're creating it as a, as a solo person without getting the input and the feedback from others. So when people are talking about co-creating your products and services or co-creating with your customers, we are really talking about a process of inclusivity where you listen to other people and you hear what's their spin on what you've created. Now, you may think of your product and service the way you have now and go, wow, I have it so nice and so refined. Do I really have to go, Lundy? Do I really now have to go out to the market and ask people about it? Yes, you have to. Now, I'm not asking that you go out there and get people to reinvent the wheel. I'm more talking about the refinement process here. So today we're going to touch on things like why testing your products and services with your target customers will make you more profitable and the emphasis is to test it with your target customers, not with anyone. You know, it's incredibly dangerous if you're going to test your product with, bless them, but your aunt or your uncle or your mom or dad or your colleague who's been doing consulting with you for how long or the person you're having drinks with over weekends. You have to make sure that you get feedback from people in your target audience. And there's many people who's been in business for a very, very long time who's created a product or a service, which every time bring in a different person. So the target audience keep on shifting. So you have a product and then you customize it for this person. And then you get another, pro then you have the same product, but a different client. And you keep on going through this customization process. So there's a very, very good chance that you've got a business, but you actually don't have a target audience. You've just been taking on business as it comes. So it's important that I bring that point out, um, over. Then we're going to look at understanding the value of a focus group. I'm going to introduce to you uh, the concept of a focus group. Some of you know what it is, some of you not. And then types of questions that you can ask during this focus group in order to get valuable, valuable information from people. So before we move on into the content, I just want to bring you back onto the drawing board uh, in terms of where we are in the process. So 
It's the high end of a design that we've been going through all this time as part of module three. Uh, there's been a step one, which talks about what you want to do with your day so that we don't get you ending up spending all of your time giving products and services that you actually don't like. Then we went into what is the people that you're actually creating a solution for. Then we went into what's the problem they're having? What's your essence? What's the solution for your clients? What's your product strategy? What blueprint are you going to come up with that actually showcases this product or service or office? What exactly is your products and services going to be? Now you're going to package them. Now this is a very, very quick run through, but I promise you, for those of you who's been on this module, it goes into quite a lot of detail. And that's for those of you who's not been in the full process for me, I want to encourage you to go back to the drawing board. But today now, we're assuming you've created your blueprint now. You have your offer. You have your offer in a visual. You know what your products and services is going to be. You are feeling good baby and you're ready to go and sell this thing and now i'm saying to you stop stop for one second and before you go to market and you sell this thing let's get you to put together a focus group and let's hear what your target customers have to say about what you created here so the first topic i want to talk to you about is testing and feedback you're getting feedback from your products and services now i want to give you a visual and the visual I'm giving you is of this beautiful big sun that is either rising up in the sky or setting in the sky. So for the purposes of this exercise, you can choose whichever visual you want to use. But this visual is a sun that is rising. And as the sun is rising, it's getting bigger, it's getting brighter, and it's starting to get people's attention. Now, this is a very similar process to what happens to when you've created a product or a service. In this case, an offer that you want to give to your clients. And for many of you sitting on this call, this offer has now already become a blueprint. In other words, this offer is now basically in an infograph or in a visual that explains the solution that you've created for your client. But many of our sons do not rise. In other words, that offer that you've created, keep on sitting under the table. It never really sees the day of light. Or you go and get rejected. You go and pitch it once, you get rejected, and you go, oh, this is not, this is not working. I need to do something else. And it's a shame because you may have been with this offer 80% there. And the only things you had to do was to go and talk to your clients about what they think about the offer before you send it up into the sky to shine. So, and this is what we're going to actually do today is show you what can you do if you've created this offer to make this thing shine like a blazing sun so that people are naturally drawn to it. You know, I mean, we were just in Santorini not too long ago, and I'm not sure how many of you here has been in Santorini. But one of the beautiful and special things about Santorini is that when you go to Ia and you walk through the narrow streets to basically one of the ends of the island, you go there to sun, uh, to, towards sunset and then you find masses of people sitting there um, and then they watch the sunset all together. Everyone sits there, uh, all, everyone trying to get a chair. Some people are there early for their drinks. People go there with family and their cameras and then they sit together and they watch the sunset. And then the moment the sun set, they all clap. They give the sun an applause. It's actually a beautiful, beautiful experience. And so what we want to help you create here with your product or your service is that when people 
people are introduced to it, when your customers, your ideal customers are introduced to it, they give an applause. They give an applause because they're going not, wow, you're so great and amazing. They're giving an applause because they're going, you got it right for us. You did enough research and you got deep enough into our brains and you made an enough effort with us as customers to understand what we really want. And this sun that you've created, this offer, this blueprint is rising because we feel you understand us and therefore we now trust you. So you see where this is all going. And so this is not just another step in the process to waste your time. This is really for you to bring something out there that's going to shine in front of your customers, just like the visual I've described here. So you ultimately want to find out when I present my offer or the product or service that I've created to my clients, what are they really feeling? That is the jackpot question. You want to actually get that information. And if you get that information, you do not only have information, you have intelligence. You have intelligence because this is intelligent information because it's one, going to help a lot of people. And two, it's going to make you a lot of money. And so what ways can you use to find out what your target audience feel about your product and service. Number one, social media. This is probably one of the saddest stories ever invented on this planet. I go through a process with someone. They put their heart and soul into developing this product and service. They, at the packaging stage, they back and forth with the designer. They get the most beautiful design. They're so excited because they've sat with me through this 12-step process, right? We went through it. We questioned, we wondered, we did all that together. And now because they are emotionally invested in that blueprint, now they're going to post it on social media or share with other people. And what is the reaction they're getting? Zero, right? One like, one like, two likes. You are destroying your soul by doing this. This is no way to go and find out how good your product and service is. Why? The first mistake you're making is that you're not reaching the entire audience. I mean, if you have 4,000 people on your Facebook, the chance that all five, four or 5,000 people is going to see your post at that given point in time is very, very slim. Also, I've learned that lots of people watch your Facebook, but they do not like and comment. There's, it, it, there's apps that you can download that shows you who's looking at your Facebook and who's looking at your profiles. And I can promise you, most of the people who visit your Facebook page and view it do not necessarily like, comment, or share. So they look at it. They think you're doing great, but they don't want to like. They don't want to make themselves visible uh, necessarily for reasons of their own. So the other thing is when you post on social media, on Facebook or Instagram, you are not reading your target audience. You are reading, you are reaching a random audience. So they're looking at this and going, wow, you know, uh, uh, wow, you know, uh, Adili is great. You know, Adili is a great guy and he's progressing, but they don't really have something to say because they're not in your target audience. They're there to be social. They're just there to check out what you're doing next. Um, so you can see how this is a soul-crushing process. You are setting yourself up for massive, massive failure. You can do that as a sidekick 
You can do that as a by the way, but that is definitely not a genius way to go and find out what your target customers feel about the offer you've created. Now, the next one, you can go to your email list. Now, email list is almost worse than social media because what happens now, digital marketers say to us, Woo, you know, if you have a if you've got a 1% open rate, then you are doing fantastic, right? So you go, okay, so I'm going to put this stunning email together and I'm going to send it to my entire audience. And then this is my launch today. I've worked so hard. I've made it. I've arrived and I've got this offer and I'm going to make a lot of money. And then you send it and then you get a 1% open rate. You get a 1% open rate. But you've basically just confused 99% of the rest of your audience who have no idea what you're talking about. There's a very good chance that you've built an email list of people. There's a very good chance that you've built an email list of people who's not in your target market. So that's the first thing. The second thing is 1% open it. That's not going to tell you how your target audience feels. So you can't really use that. You can use email if you're going to choose 100 people that's exactly in your target audience. And you send each of those 100 people a personal love letter. Then it will work. What does a personal love letter look like? Hi, Stephanie, Landy here. I hope you're doing okay. I really enjoyed the last coffee we have together. I think it's absolutely amazing that you're starting to travel and see the world because I know in your heart that's a dream of yours. Look, after my two and a half recent travel, I've reinvented the way of thinking. I feel like a new person. I see the world different. I've had some great lessons, some of them good, some of them challenging. And this has led to me uh, launching a new product that you may be interested in. Um, I'm not launching it yet. So can you please just have a look at it? Or can we go for a coffee? And can I share it with you and you tell me what you think about it? Or I have a focus group coming up where I'm going to ask some feedback from people like you who I have massive respect for. If you can make the time, I would highly appreciate it if you can join the focus group. Very, very, very different than mass digital marketing. Very, very different. If you can send an email out to a list of 12,000 people and you get a 1% open rate, you're going to get very little response about people's feelings. But if you're going to write 100 love letters per email, you are going to get a massive result, especially if those emails are customized. That's why I call them love letters. You can't draft the same thing and send it to people. You have to be authentic. Authentic doesn't mean, you know, I'm just my true self. Authentic is you are really caring about the opinion of the people you send it to and you actually know them. You know them, uh, they're in your target market. Even if you have people who you don't know, as long as they're in your target market, go and research them. Go and look what they're doing on LinkedIn. Go look what they're doing on Facebook. Look at the latest article they posted. Make an effort. People appreciate it when we make an effort. That's why you send emails to people that don't respond because they feel you don't care. If you're going to send them a love letter or something in their postal box, you're going to get a very different reaction. And so this is the beauty of getting people into your universe. You don't really have to know how to solve. You have to know how to care. That's what we're talking about here. Now, another way to find out how people feel about the offer that you've created is to share it from stage. If you're a person who's a speaker, 
or you're comfortable on stage, you speak at networking events, you maybe do corporate gigs or big stages, here's a fantastic opportunity to get feedback from the audience, but it's still not intimate. So you can stand on stage and go, whoa, it's so great to have you all here, rock and roll. Today we're talking about mindset, you can make it. And I just want to take some moment to talk about my blueprint and people might put their hands up and give you some feedback, but they think, but it's not intimate unless you use that stage presence to say, after my talk today, I'm going to have a cocktail party where I'm going to do a presentation and get some of your feedback those of you who want to join me are welcome to come if you want to have some cocktails on the house in return for your feedback. Or I'm having a breakfast tomorrow morning and during that, I want to use some of you in the target market, my audience, and get your feedback. What means what, what does it mean you're in my target market? It means you A, you B, you C. You are this, this, and this. If this falls into this, describe you then you are in my target market, then I want to give you a free breakfast tomorrow morning. Come over and uh, I'm going to take you through my offer and get some of your feedback. And in return, you can get a wonderful, hot, freshly cooked breakfast and bottomless coffee. You know, people, that, that entice people. It makes people feel they cared for and uh, it's a free meal. People really love that because it's not just that they're getting a free meal, they get a networking event. They get to meet other people who's also in your target market. And do not underestimate how curious people are. People are curious creatures. And so they would be curious, especially if they like your talk, to see, but what is it that you want to put on the table? And of course, have we not seen this? People laugh giving their opinion. They love it. You know, these days you're so scared to give you scared to give your opinion on uh, Facebook because uh, you're scared of the trolls and people's going to slap you down and smack you down. And it's the, the rise of the bullies and all those topical things. Uh, but now you're saying from stage, I'm inviting you to bring me your opinion. People will jump at that. They love it. And then another way you can actually present your offer to people and get their feedback in terms of how they feel about it uh, is to go to networking events Maybe try and get a slot at a networking event to speak if that's impossible. When people ask you what you're doing, rather say to them, oh, this is what I sell. Say to them, well, I have a product I have a, I'm about to launch. I would love your feedback and opinion. Can we go for a coffee? Or can we actually, I have a focus group. Do you want to come and attend it next week, Friday at nine o'clock, whatever, um, and so on and so on. That brings me then to the last one, focus group. Now, I'm not saying any of these ways to find out how people feel is wrong. In fact, a combination of all of this will probably be the most successful. And to be honest, my number one choice would be you go and have an interview with 100 people in your target market. You're going to say to me, Nandi, are you clinically insane? You know, asking me to go and have 100 interviews. So you're about to launch this product. If you can find 100 people in your target market, and you interview each one of them individually about what they think about this product you've created and what changes they will make and how they will price it and how they will package it, blah, blah, blah. And you take that information or intelligence and you reconcile that and you refine your product with that, you are going to be a very very, very successful person. And you're also going to be a very popular person because people's going to really feel you care about what they think. So rather than just pushing the product into the market, they're going to go, wow, you made the effort. How many people do you know these days who make the effort? Who makes the effort? No one, you know? Who goes and have a bath and just jump? Everyone just jump in their bath, right? 
who light candles and put essential oil in and put Epsom salt in and, you know, spread um, uh, uh, flowers. Who does that? No one. It's the same with the products and service you offer your clients. So if you make an effort, if you show them you care, if you ask them questions, uh, that will show them you make an effort. But we get scared, right? We go, what if they don't like it? Well, if they don't like it, you're not going to sell it. And then you find that out 10 years down the line. And that is terrible because it wastes your time. And it wastes their time. So I am encouraging you here today with the talk to have the courage to get the input from, from people before you launch. Now, that doesn't mean it, it's all over. You know, maybe you've already launched your product and service. Maybe you've been doing it already for five years. Nothing stops you from doing a focus group now. In fact, the message it sends people is that you are constantly reinventing your, yourself. I'm not saying you have to completely reinvent the wheel, but it is showing them that you're actually making an effort. That's the key word here. So what is a focus group? A focus group is where you get a certain amount of people to sit around a table. Think of a boardroom table or whatever, and you obviously want to get a nice room. If you're going to get a cafe, people's going to think your quality of your product is in cafe level. If you get a corporate boardroom, people's going to think the quality of what you're bringing to market is at corporate boardroom level. If you're going to get a hotel room, people's and it's five-star, people's going to think, okay, what you're launching is at five-star level. If you get a co-working space, people's going to think it's at startup level. So you have to be really aware of perception when you choose this room. It's very important. And then you don't want more than 10 people in this room. You can't really give your proper undivided attention to more than that. Uh, it's going to really start to fragment you and it's going to overwhelm you. And you're not really going to be able to give people enough of your, your, your heart and of your explanation. So you want to really choose that room and the amount of people Right, now here is a step-by-step -step approach on how to actually run a focus group. I'm gonna run through this very quickly with you because this is more the logistics of it. Um, but uh, I'm gonna ask Chris, Chris, anyone who wants this uh, infographic, uh, you can of course take a photo of it or you can just send it to you afterwards, it's all good. But uh, for those of you who are just listening in, I'm gonna quickly run through these steps. Very simple, 10 steps. There's a planning phase when you run a focus group, five things that needs to happen before you put it before the focus group, five things that happen on the day of the focus group. So the structure of the focus group. Before the focus group, you have to choose a venue. Make sure that you do get that venue six weeks in advance. You don't want to get it three months or five months in advance. People's going to forget. So from an event management point of view, the six-week mark is ideal. So if you want to use this to not only run focus groups, but to run a mastermind, you can use the same formula. Then you choose a booking system. You don't want people just to go, oh, hi, Stephanie, I'll be there. I'll come to your focus group via WhatsApp. You want a proper booking system where people register for the event. So there's many, many free booking systems online. All you have to do is to go to Google and go 
free online or free event booking systems or free event registration systems and you'll find something great there. So if anyone is on this call here today and you've used one before, please share that in the chat box so that we can mention that at the end of this presentation uh, so you can go and look at that. Then you have to decide who are going to attend. Very, very important. They should fit your ideal client profile. If you do not have anyone in your vicinity who fit your ideal client profile, this is an opportunity for you to actually start reeling those people in. This is a free, free, free sales process to invite some of those ideal clients and say, look, I have a focus group. I'm not going to sell anything at the focus group. This is merely put together in order for me to get your opinion because you're in my ideal target audience. I've been watching you for a while and your opinion really matters. I'm also going to be serving free breakfast or muffins or coffee or if you want to do it in the evening. But the focus groups we've ran was always just free coffee, tea and a few snacks. Doesn't have to be expensive at all. But the point that we bring home is that you can be meeting other people like yourself. You're going to be meeting other people in industry. Uh, you're going to be have you're going to have the opportunity to see what's happening in the market. So people in general come because they want the free coffee, they want to get out of the office, they want to meet other people, they want to give their opinion, and they're curious. So when you write your copy in convincing them to come, those are the things you want to mention. Then it would be very helpful if you can have a website or a landing page that shows basically um, what this focus group, group is going to be about, that answers some of people's questions or objections. To be honest, we've never done that. We've only used the booking system. We've only used the booking system or the registration system for this. We've not had a separate website, but if you can, because people are distrusting of what's going on at the moment, especially around events, it can make them feel a little bit more relaxed. So if you do have, you know, um, one of these software that creates a website, maybe you are good on Wix or, uh, you know, WordPress or, um, you know, you have a, a landing page type of software and you can easily create a page that describes what your focus group is going to be about with your booking system link at the bottom. That'll be great, but it's not a must. Because you can even go these days and invite people to attend via LinkedIn. You know, LinkedIn would even give you a booking system. So, so you you really do have a lot of options. You just want to make it look professional. You don't want to make it look like something that you shoot off the cuff. You don't want to go, hi, it's me. It's so nice for me to talk to you um, on an email. Will you please come to my focus group? That is too unprofessional. You can you can have an invitation on email, but with a link to a booking system. That's very very important. Booking systems also remind people of the focus group that's coming up. It will remind them a week before the time, a day before the time, and 24 hours before the time. And if you want to be really smart and you want to have all 10 people there, you'll send out a reminder to them an hour before the time as well. That is one of the biggest secrets of event management, why people do not get event management right. They do not remind people, and they only send out reminders via email. If you can find a way to send out personal reminders via WhatsApp, people, your attendance rate will go up exponentially. And then, of course, you invite people. You invite your chosen attendees two weeks prior to the event. You can really push for three or four, but our magic formula on focus groups has always been two weeks. I'll say, yeah, a maximum of seven people, um, but you can do 10 as well. So let's say between seven to 10 people is the golden spot. So that's the planning phase. The venue, the booking system, Decide who's going to be on your list of attendees, 
create a website or landing page or don't and invite the attendees. That's all you have to do, right? Then comes the day. When people arrive, you give them something on arrival. Coffee, tea. If it's an afternoon focus group, you want to do wine. Uh, uh, if that is what people in your target market do, maybe people in your target market don't like wine, then you're going to go to the breakfast or you're going to do a tea ceremony or anything that they like. Now you're going to do a welcome and introductions. Hi, everyone. It's Stephanie here. Welcome to my focus group. Uh, I really appreciate you taking the time and, uh, you know, uh, get them all to introduce themselves. Because remember, they're not only here just for you, they're here to get to know people around the table as well. Now, what you can do here, and this is what we do, we get people, we give people the opportunity to introduce themselves first, stand up, tell people quickly for two minutes, what do you do? Um, why did you decide to come today? That gives you an idea of what they expect from your focus group. So it's a smart way to create expectations or to do expectation management. So they go around the table, they introduce each other. Great. They already feel like they're part of something. Now you have to introduce yourself. Very, very, very important. You don't stand there and go, oh, hello. Yeah, okay. So I'm London Jack. You know, I've, uh, I've traveled around the world and I got a master's degree and people's going to go, just get off the stage, right? They're going to go, Honestly, we didn't come here to listen about who you are, but if you get someone else to introduce you, you're going to have a different experience. So what me and Mike do is we wingman each other. So I would introduce Mike. Mike will introduce me. Those of you who's been in a mastermind with us have seen us done that. It's just in order to sort of, we want the people in the group to understand that they can trust us as experts in our field, but we don't want to come across as braggy. So don't set yourself up for failure by having to introduce yourself. Even worse, do not forget to introduce yourself because people's not going to take you serious at all. You know, half of the people there may know you. And even if they know you, they don't know about your capabilities, achievements, accomplishments. You have to share that so that they see you mean business. So if you, you can't leave it out, it's not an option. You can't introduce yourself. So put someone in the audience that's going to do the introduction. It may be one of your current clients and give them pointers. Do not leave the introduction over to them because otherwise they're going to get up and say things like, oh, hello, yeah, I'm here now to introduce Andili. Oh, he's such a nice guy, you know. He worked for Microsoft. So that introduction has nothing to do with what you're about to offer. So make sure that what you're actually presenting to them as your upcoming product is aligned with the introduction so that they can trust you as an expert in the offer that you're putting on the table. So welcome and introductions. That doesn't have to take long, 10 minutes tops. Then you're going to frame the session. People love this. This is, this is a real good marker of good communication. Framing the session means you're going to tell them exactly how today is going to work. Now the introduction is over. Now you tell them, okay, everyone, we've had coffee. We've done the introductions. Now we're going to actually, after this, I'm going to present my vision. I'm going to present you my offer. Uh, then I'm going to ask you some questions. Then we're going to do this. Then we're going to do that. Then we're going to have a break at this time. Then we're going to do this. And then we're going to end it off like that. Everyone happy? And people will go, well, I've never had anyone who go, no, I'm not happy. So you sort of start to get them to cooperate. And you, you, you sort of get them to relax in the knowledge of they can predict the session. It's also very important here that you give them the timings. We like to do these focus groups from 9 o'clock till, let's say, um, 12 o'clock. Three hours is more than enough to do this with a break in between. 
if you don't want to do a morning one, you can do like, for example, at two o'clock till five o'clock. Those times work very, very well. So tell them uh, we're here now and we're going to have a break at this time and we'll be finished on the clock at this time. And it's very important that you do finish on that time because if you don't, the message you're sending them is that what you promise is not what you ultimately deliver on. So a lot of subliminal messaging here. Then you present the vision. You can do a presentation. You know, uh, I usually like to just have a TV up with just the blueprint. So it's just the visual, the blueprint uh, or the offer. It doesn't have to be a huge thing. You know, people make a mistake here in the focus group by taking people to a 10 or 20 page presentation. They're going to go, boy, oh boy, did I sign for, up for the wrong thing? You have to you have to focus group in a way where you get real good intelligence from people. But at the end of the day, they walk out and feel they got the value, not you. This is really, really important. So if you're going to do your 20-slider presentation, you're going to lose people. So you need one slide with your blueprint on there or your offer in the form of a visual that summarizes your products and services. And then you share with them. You, you, you start by sharing the problem you identified in the market. Say, this is the problem I identified. I realized that 95% of people, and make sure you quote these things so people see you put some research into it. I realized that 95% of people does not have a uh, 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 good sleep. And I went and did this research and this research, and I realized that if you don't have good sleep, that you function on a daily basis at the same level of a person who had a stroke. And because of that, I ventured into this area and I did some research and I came up with a solution. And then uh, I did a little bit more research in the solution. And here next to me lie my research paper. And I mean, you can have a nice brochure with research. You can see how it's all giving you credibility. And so I came up with the sleep better forever like a rock star blueprint and this is the blueprint and this is the offer and now you start getting feedback from this blueprint what do you think about this blueprint do, what do you think of the categories that i'll be touching on and um, i want to make this an online course do you think it's better if i do it in person i make the color blue because i thought that is the sleep state of a person does that appeal to you does it make you feel calm or i make my blueprint red people go no you can't sell something about sleep that's red it's too high energy blah 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 that's where you start collecting the intelligence you gather that intelligence and you close the session and i've not had a person who's had a focus group who's come back to me and said wow the feedback i got um doesn't mean you're going to completely change your products and office and blueprint not at all it's many times one statement or one thing someone said that you didn't thought of that you go and refine your blueprint with. So this is normally what happens, especially in our Circle of Excellence members who works personally with me and Mike. Oh, Landy, is it really necessary that I have to run a focus group? I'm really happy and confident with my blueprint the way it is. Yes, it's necessary. Can't I do it later? No, I think you need to do it uh, uh, now. Uh, do you think I can do it online? Yeah, you can do it online, but it's probably 10 times more powerful if you do it offline. Uh, I don't really want to spend the money. It's not really going to cost you a lot of money. You can go and get someone to sponsor the room for you or just ask a client to open up their boardroom. And so they go on and on and on and run the widest circles around me that you can imagine. And I, I understand it because people are resistant to change. People don't like the unknown. You've never run a focus group before. You don't want to look like a fool in front of your clients. You're scared you're going to do it wrong. But I want to encourage you to be a grass hopper and jump. Make the leap. Go and test it. Go and test it and see for yourself. And then what always happens, they have a focus group and they come back to me and say, 
They gathered the most incredible intelligence from people. Also, they blew people away. People are very impressed with where they are in their journey. People can see their growth. It's fantastic. And you don't have to stop running focus groups. You can run a focus group every single year or every six months to make sure you stay on par with your client's needs. So now, when it comes to the focus group, the inquiry that I get the most is, but what type of questions do I ask people during this focus group? So I've put a bit of a matrix together. I call it a question matrix. This is break your meeting into useful components to keep it simple. Um, and so what you can do is you can, as a pre-planner, in order to get your feedback organized, you can put a matrix together, a question matrix, and you can put at the top of the matrix on the x-axis if you want to. You can put the people who's going to be present. Billy, Mary, Wong, James, Sally. That's the five people I've present, or if it's seven or ten. And then you have different questions. So you can ask questions about the brand. What do you think that what do you think of the packaging of my offer? Do you think the brand speaks to you? How does the brand make you feel? Does the colors feel aligned with what I'm offering? When you look at my blueprint, do you feel like it's scientific and I'll be able to deliver on the promise? Or do you think it's too complex? Or is it easier for people to understand? What do you think about the marketing? What, what ways would you go about marketing this offer? If you are my ideal client, what marketing message will reach you? What medium do I have to use, use to reach you? What do you think about the avatar? What do you think about the ideal target buyer? What do you think about the profile person? You are the profile person. If you're the ideal profile person and you look at this, did I hit the mark? Does it feel like I'm speaking to you? What sales pitch around this product will work for you? What angle do I need to use? What would you price this at? What about the journey? If I sell this to you, does this blueprint clearly show you the journey that you're going to go on with me? Does that make you excited? Do you feel you want to say, wow? Do you want to go afterwards and share it with other people? What piece that I miss? You see, this is the type of things that will give you invaluable information, but you can put it in a matrix so that as you get the feedback, you put it in, Bill said this, Mary said this, Wong said this. I would recommend that you do not administer this matrix because you want to connect with people. You want to make eye contact. So as you ask them these questions and you get feedback, let someone else do the matrix. Let someone else fill it in for you so that you can sit afterwards and study this piece of information that you gather or this data that you gathered. And I tell you, this data that you've gathered is most, most powerful. So you can use this in a matrix format or you can simply just make a list of questions. It doesn't have to be um, complicated. So this brings me now to the topic for trial and error strategies. So at the end of the day, you are when you do a focus group, you are when you're on this step of pre preparing your product and service, you are in a testing phase. And testing phases for products and services, even though we call it a focus group, is not a new concept. It's a concept that many, many people use, but many people use it in different ways and they give it different names. So, for example, in the software world, in the digital marketing world, they just call it A-B split testing. So, they will develop a landing page and call it landing page A, or let's make it simple. They'll develop a website and call the website 
website A, and they'll develop another website that's similar but different and call it website B, and then send it on to their lists or audience and do A, B split testing by trying to figure out that my website A perform better than website B. So I'm asking you to use the same concept with your products and services and nothing stop you from doing that as well. Another thing that people do in the testing phase is they go and do extensive research about results that the industry has gotten with a similar product and service. So let's say you've developed a product or service that is a coaching product and service. You can go and do extensive research on the results that other coaches have got who specialize in stress. But people don't do that. You sit through a process and you develop something and it's almost like, because I've developed it now, I deserve to be successful with it. And what I'm trying to do here today is for you to prevent falling in that trap. Just because you've developed something does not mean people's going to respond to it. If you want people to respond to it, you have to do testing. You have to see how they've responded in an industry that's similar than you, yours. Other people go online. They do a live online. They go, hi, my name, my, my name's Mary. Uh, I'm doing a Facebook Live for my audience here. If you fill this description as an ideal buyer, I want you to be here with me and I want to discuss with you this. It can work too, but it works on certain platforms. It works on platforms like launching new fashion or it works on platforms like launching new makeup or a very new pioneering, exciting software that someone else has not done. But nothing stops you from testing that as well. Um, and then, of course, you can just ask people. You can go on your WhatsApp and say, you know, hi, you in my ideal target market or you one of my current clients. This is the new offer I'm bringing to market. Do you mind giving me feedback and a voice note? Now, you can do all of these things. This is all things that people do in the testing phase. But I highly recommend you do a focus group because we've done them, them over and over again. They work very well and they work especially well in the services industry. So if you're here and you're a coach or you're a consultant or you're a, um, you know, advisor or a counselor in any way, or you're a speaker, or, or even you're an author, even though the, the book's going to come out of the product, uh, the personal development industry and the professional services industry, this focus group works very, 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 very well. So that would be my number one recommendation to you. So let's now look at co-creation strategy. So I am proposing, and I'm using that word proposing for a reason, I am proposing then that before you tie the knot, in other words, before you send your products and services out into the world to launch, that you date people first, that you take them on dates first. So let's say you've sat with Lundy through an offer design process, you've got your blueprints, or you sat with Mike, or you had a peer group and you're so stoked with yourself, you got your blueprint now, you're a very, very happy person now and you want to launch it, even before your launch party and all that, please go on dates first and go on dates with you and your customers. So the question here is, if you can create something, a product and service, it probably will be good. If you can co-create with your customers, it will probably be fantastic. That's the difference. So go on dates with your customers before you, or your ideal customer, because some people might not be customers yet, uh, before you tie the knot. Examples of dates you can go on, do shared events with your customers. 
that's a great way you can do it. So rather than launching your new blueprint in front of them, you have a shared event with your customer and you mention your new product during that. So they become aware of it. And you invite a lot of your potential clients to the event. That's a date. That's a nice date before you go into the launching phase. Do a shared project with your client. Say to your client, uh, I want you and me to do a shared project on another client site. That's a way you can do a date. Share tours. Let's say you're someone who's in the mental health space or in the well-being space or in the spiritual space or uh, a business school space. Uh, you can do a tour or a school or a retreat together with your client and co-create something in the process or even shared investments. That's what, the way you can do it as well. So the sky honestly is the limit. But the whole message is here. When you develop a product or service for an ideal client, you don't just want to rush into the launch phase. You want to give it a couple of weeks or a month or two to go and test the product and service, get feedback from your ideal client, ask them how they feel, refine, and then launch. Okay, so with that, it's a mouthful. You may go, great, Landy. I'm a little bit overwhelmed and confused. Where do I start? So I love to give recommended activities at the end of a talk like this so that you actually can focus on a few things. So the first thing I would highly recommend is that you focus, that you, that you run a focus group. Put your first focus group together. Even if you're sitting here today and your blueprint's not finished, you just have an idea, you could have an idea focus group. It doesn't matter. Host a focus group that consists of current and potential customers. Ask them for feedback on your products and services that you've created. Very important. Number two, treat a few of your top customers to dinner and find out what they like and dislike about your products and services. That's another way you can go. What are evidence of accomplishment? How can you measure that you get this right? Popular products and services with high resale and upsell values is usually a sign that clients are raving about your products and services. And having customers that want to co-create products and services in partnership with your business is usually also a sign that you are wowing them with your products and services and that they feel comfortable to co-create with you. Now, the next time I'm up, I'm actually concluding this whole monster of a module three. And it's a real big monster because it has these 12 steps in it. And today we've been on step 11. So awesome for those of you who sat with me through this entire process of the product design or high-end offer design blueprint. But there is one step missing. And that step that's missing that I'll be discussing with you when I'm on next is then how to launch, ideas for you to launch this product and service or this high offer. Remember, the focus group is not launching. The focus group is testing. Uh, it's the testing phase. It's getting feedback from people in your target market about how they feel, whereas the launching phase is basically saying, hello, uh, I'm here. I've rebranded myself. I've updated myself. I am Natasha version two now. Here's my new brand, my new product, my new service, my new offer, my new solution. So I'm looking forward to seeing you all on that then as well. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to stop the screen share now and uh, give you a, a little bit of opportunity to ask some questions around it. And then, as I said before, uh, we got six minutes left because uh, five minutes before the hour, 
I'll be jumping off so I don't lose everyone on this call. Uh, I see Philip said Philippe said he had to leave early. Uh, that's all good. And then uh, there's a list, there's a link also for you to click on there if you want to catch up on previous episodes uh, of this module three specifically. Uh, they're all uploaded there in YouTube, so you don't have to go and look in your hub. And um, then uh, there's the, the infographic as well, if you want to see how to run a focus group. Thank you for hosting as always, Chris. Appreciate it. Is there any questions from my audience before I say hasta la vista, babies? You look a little bit uh, like struck by lightning, like, yeah, okay. Maybe just take some time to go and process this. And I really don't want to overwhelm you with uh, content. Uh, that, that I really just want you to run a focus group. That's all I want you to do. <laughs> okay, Stephanie, would this be applicable if you venture into a new strategic alliance to share with your current clients? Um, if you, Stephanie, and that new strategic alliance is coming up with a joint solution for customers, absolutely yes. But if you're in the beginning of that strategic alliance, be careful because the strategic alliance may not work. Remember, we always say when you form strategic alliances and partnerships, date them a few times to see if this person is authentic, share your values, high performing, they deliver, they say what they're going to say they do. If not, you may introduce the strategic alliance to your clients at the beginning. It doesn't work. And then it put your name into disrepute in front of your clients. So once you and your strategic alliance has got something really cool um, and that becomes actually very viable and it's properly researched, then you go into presenting it to your current client base, if, that, if that's your question. Panisi, thanks, Landy. No questions, but excellent presentation. So happy you enjoyed it. It's so lovely for me to see all your lovely faces here. Uh, we missed you all. So, uh, but as I said, it's it's really, really good to be back. Any final questions? No final questions. Okay. Thank you, everyone. It's lovely to see you as always. I hope you have a fantastic morning or evening. Next time we'll be talking about launching. The launching part is the fun part because then we're talking about a party or otherwise, don't worry. If you're an introvert, you don't have to use a party, but I'll give you some great ideas. I'll give extroverts some ideas how to launch and I'll give introverts also ideas how to launch. So we'll have a great time together. Have a lovely weekend and lots and lots of love to you all. Bye. Bye, everyone.